1: You're listening to The Pet Buzz, the ultimate in pet talk radio. Dr. Fleck, Happy New Year.
2: That's right. Happy New Year to you.
1: This week I've been on tour and, you know, I've been traveling a lot lately. And you realize, just like kids, the absence from your home affects the dogs. Absolutely. So since I've been home for the last day and a half, I noticed that our dog Wally seems a bit nervous. Doesn't he seem nervous to you?
2: Shaking, which he never does. Yeah. So, yes, he's clearly nervous. I
1: think he's reluctant to come over to me, so I decided that I'm going to take him on my next leg of the tour. Great idea. So I think he'll get to spend some mommy and doggy time, just like I did with Mara, our other dog. Wally and uh, Mara are arch enemies. So maybe that's he feels bad because I'm not spending as much time with him, and I took Mara. But this time he's going to get to go. Okay, so now let's kick off the show with the kids. Countdown. Okay. In segment four, we're talking with client advisor at Mercer Advisors Lawrence Solomon about charitable pet giving.
2: Three, in this portion of the show, we are learning more about pet insurance. Kristen Lynch, the executive director of the North American Pet Health Insurance Association, is talking with us about new developments in pet insurance. <coughs>
1: And then two, this is where we get to dish about celebrities and their pets and talk about Flex
2: Facts. Flex Facts, yes. And one, (coughs) AFCPE Accredited Financial Counselor, Todd Christensen, Education Manager at MoneyFit.org and author of Everyday Money for Everyday People, talks to us about how to spend money on pets. Hey, Todd, thanks for joining us today on The Pet Buzz.
3: Thank you. Glad to be with you.
2: So, Todd, why do we need to have pet budgets?
3: That's uh, always a good question. I get that not just for pets, but for people. Here's the, here's the problem. A lot of people think budgets are restricting and they're negative and they're, they're no fun. A budget is just a spending plan or kind of a spending menu and you need one for pets. Pets, they're going to need food. They're going to need vet visits and prescriptions and toys and collars and Travel and all these things, and if we're not prepared, we're gonna uh, financially we're gonna be hurting. We're gonna have to turn to some more expensive options.
1: And I'm glad you brought that up because you see that all these things Todd mentioned are really important, and you really have to start somewhere. So, how do we start? How do we create that pet budget? What do we do?
3: You've got a couple of options. If you want to go the traditional route, you just kind of predict where. How much money have you uh, are you going to spend in the next six months or so on your pet? You look where you've spent money in the past, that can get kind of meticulous and too much work for a lot of people. I just recommend, look, automatically transfer money every month. Set up an automatic transfer with your uh, checking account into a savings account that's specifically for your pet. It can be, if, if you if you have a very low-maintenance animal, it might be $10, $20 a month. Otherwise, it might be $50, $75, even $100 a month so that when those expenses occur that you need the money for, it's just sitting there in a separate account. You know exactly how much you have. I think that's
1: a great idea, don't you, Dr. Fleck?
2: I sure do, but that's a budget. What's so important about having a pet emergency fund?
3: If you've got a pet, you know that you're going to need that uh, fund. Uh, There's going to be an emergency. Animals are going to get sick. They're going to get hurt. We care about our pets. We want to take care of them, and so when they are hurt, when they're sick, we're going to need to take them somewhere. Uh, I even had a, a garage cat that just got in an act in a in a fight, got infected, and uh, we had to take him in to the emergency room, uh, emergency uh, care. That is going to take some some fun. It does. It's not free and you're going to need that uh, because we do. We care about our pets. We want want to care. Yeah, I mean, we care about our
1: pets, but I think the first place to start is to really list all of your expenses. So, for example, if you have a poodle or a Bichon, you're going to have grooming expenses, correct? I mean, if you have a Labrador, you can throw that Labrador in the bathtub and wash him yourself. I think, you know, so you want to list all your expenses. I mean, even what I've done, don't laugh everybody, but I actually figured out how many meals that I get out of a bag of dog food. So, if you figure out how many meals if you feed the serving size you'll have a better idea of knowing how long that food would last and that way either you can get on an automatic payment plan and reduce the cost maybe it's a few dollars a month but if you do that you can kind of start figuring out your expenses you know that includes vacation right dr fleck
2: yeah and with seven dogs trying to figure out the food diet is real interesting
1: well, not everyone's like us. Not everyone. <laughs> not everybody can handle it. They can't handle it. Right, Todd? <laughs> Seven dogs. You and me, right, Dr. That's, Fleck. That's
3: a little much for me.
1: Wait, and we have a cat, too. You forgot the cat, Dr. Fleck. Oh,
2: yes. The yeah. cat. Well, that's not as expensive.
1: No, but I think, you know, but realistically, it's not because I groom the cat. But normally, a Himalayan would need to be groomed on a regular basis.
2: I'm at the food.
1: Oh, the food, that's all you, well, okay. But anyway, I mean, so this is the place where you have to start. You have to think about all of your expenses, the food, the grooming, the pet sitter, the dog walker, depending on where you are, because our listening audience is vast and wide. So if you're in an urban environment- parasite prevention. Parasite prevention, all of these things you kind of have to add up. So, I mean, it gets to be very cumbersome and tiresome, but I think it's a great idea that Todd brought this up. And then, depending on what your monthly expenses are, you know, then transferred into that good old emergency savings account. Boy, and
2: every day I find people that have to have an emergency fund because of the illnesses that are presented by at least one patient a day.
1: I think it's probably similar to a, a, a kid fund, right, Todd?
3: Oh, yeah. That you, it, having a separate fund for separate uh, purposes is really the way, way to go. It makes, uh, makes your budgeting life a lot more simple. To, to know this is how much I have to spend on my uh, child's activities, on my pet, on and you you mentioned vacation. When you go on vacation, if you know that you're going on vacation, you've got pets to take care of. That's something else you need to add into that budget to be prepared for, because that's you've got to find somebody to care for them while you're gone, unless you want to take them with you. I don't think you'd ever take seven dogs with you on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we but. actually we actually took a trip with seven dogs from New York oh, to, wow. to 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 uh, Florida. But the I guess I have uh, another question. So I guess even though we're doing this budget, we should still be looking for ways to save money, correct?
3: Sure. As a financial counselor, I always, I'm always i always asking and talking to people about finding ways to spend more efficiently. It's not about cutting back. It's, it's about prioritizing your expenses and finding ways to spend your hard-earned money in a way that will get you what you want but also leave you some leftover for things that, uh, for other things you want. So yes, there are always opportunities to save, or spend less money, uh, and do it more efficiently, but also sometimes even look for additional side gigs to increase money. If you, if you really want to spend money that you, you don't currently have, earn more, spend less, or do a little of both.
2: Great advice. Got any other special advice for us today?
3: Well, i I'd, I'd just say when it comes to pets and money, First of all, love and enjoy your, your animal companion. I, that, that's what makes them so special. Being financially prepared, though, means that we're going to be able to focus our time on that animal and not worry about being, uh, overwhelmed financially in the future. So it, the pet budget means there are no trade-offs. There's going to be fewer of the difficult decisions to make in the future as to say, oh, I don't have money for this, for this or for that. We're going to be prepared for it. And it's kind of a way of showing that pet that that we really do care for.
2: Todd, great advice. Thanks for being with us today.
1: Yeah, everyone. That was Todd Christensen, education manager at moneyfit.org and the author of Everyday Money for Everyday People, just like you and me, discussing how to create a budget that includes Fido and Felix, up next, Celebrity Pet News, and Flex Facts. I can't wait. I bet you can't either.
2: I can't.
1: Hey, I'm Pet Charlotte Reed and research shows walking at least a half an hour every day can reduce a person's risk for heart disease and other serious illnesses. So regular walking is a great way to live a long and happy life. For most dogs, an hour of physical activity each day is necessary and will help them lead healthier lives free of disease. Walking a dog does not only have a physical benefit, there are plenty of psychological benefits for both the dog and the owner. There are so many smells, sights and Sounds in the outdoors that a dog is mentally stimulated every time he or she walks out the front door. Taking a dog on a walk will also help to solidify the strong bond between you and your animal. Give your dog some positive attention by doing what he or she loves. Take your dog out for a neighborhood walk today.
0: Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? I love animals and want my pets to be healthy, so I asked our vet who recommended EpiPet Ear Cleaner. It's super simple, and it even smells good. Every week I use it on both my dog and my cat to gently remove wax and debris. (laughs) I even told my friend Aiden to try EpiPet on his dog Sophie, who always had red ears. But not anymore. Now we both have happy and healthy pets. Thanks, EpiPet. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com.
1: This show is hosted by the dynamic pet duo. I'm petronologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm
2: veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck.
1: So let's kick off this segment with celebrity pet news. Dr. Fleck, do you remember Sully? I do. Sully was a service dog that was photographed sitting by the casket of President George Bush. In the last few months of his life, he had Sully. How could we forget? Right. Well, last month, Sully met his statue doppelganger. I'll explain. So America's Vets Dog, that's the organization that provided the former president with the dog, commissioned Susan Bahare to create a life-size bronze statue of Sully for the George Bush Presidential Library and the museum in College Station, Texas. The statue was unveiled in December at a private event. So last month and America's Vet Dog said that Sully received the tribute. Well, he ended up sniffing and wagging his tail when he met the statue, I wonder if he sniffed the dog's butt. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, now what you all been waiting for, Flex Facts.
5: Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact no fiction? Just the Facts, ma'am. You want answers. I want the truth. It's going to take long. You got the
2: time. So Dr.
1: Fleck, what are we going to
2: talk about today? Today. An important feature we should talk about today, because so many people adopt shelter pets. So today we're going to talk about... Shelter
1: pets over the holidays.
2: Shelter pets not over the holidays, but all year long, but especially over the holidays. So today we're going to talk about the importance of why shortly after adopting your shelter pet, you should make an appointment to visit with your veterinarian to determine the necessary health care.
1: Well, that's great. That's a great topic because like you said, so many people these days adopt shelter pets. So whether it's the holidays or whether it's just in general. Okay. So what do we got?
2: Well, when a dog or cat is adopted from the shelter, he or she is most likely current on the vaccines that that shelter provides. Mm -hmm. Again, that's why you go to the veterinarian to find out if all the necessary vaccines have been administered. Okay. It has been spayed or neutered almost always and has been microchipped most of the time. Okay. The shelters work, they do, they work really hard. And I I just, I give them great accolades for what they do to make adopting a pet as easy as possible. Okay. However, it is still very important to follow up with your veterinarian again soon after adopting the pet because a thorough wellness exam will ensure that your pet is healthy as possibly it can be, and will not endanger your health either uh, because sometimes you can have cross-transmission of diseases. Right. So many times a shelter pet is often examined only by maybe a veterinary technician. And this isn't criticism. It's just a matter that this there's limitations. The,
1: right. It's just the case.
2: And so in that case, the heart and the lungs maybe haven't even been listened to. Uh, the eyes, ears, and mouth may not have been examined as well as we would like them to be, and the and the body may not have been palpated for abnormalities, what a veterinarian would do on a routine physical exam.
1: You know, and I think you made a really good point because you could have other people living in your home who have not as developed autoimmune systems. Maybe they're young children, or maybe they're seniors who have a compromised immune system.
2: Thank you for bringing up that point. That's really important because we all know that when we're getting our flu vaccines as people, they say the most dangerous group that needs to be protected are the very young and the elderly.
1: Okay, so talk to me about puppies and kittens.
2: Yeah, because a lot of puppies and kittens are probably adopted right now. Yeah, right down the street st- from right.
1: us, there's a At a this time of market. the year, the holidays. There's a, a big store. And you always see those signs, puppies and kittens, right? Or It says, we have kittens available. Remember? Yes. Okay. Yes,
2: yes. Well- Vaccines for puppies and kittens are given in a series, and that's another important reason why you should be visiting with your veterinarian shortly after you adopt your pet, because maybe all of the vaccines in that series haven't been administered, and there can be confusion when adopting the pet as to whether all of that has been accomplished or not. Okay. He or she will need maybe additional vaccines just to stay up date with all the current diseases. Right. And there's certain diseases in areas that are important to cover for too. For example, if you're, uh, there's areas where maybe the flu is, is endemic. And so the flu vaccine might be administered, but maybe at the shelters, it hadn't been administered. Well,
1: you know, one of the things I always find interesting, especially it happens with kittens, a lot of young kittens have ringworm and transfer it to members of the family. I see that. I've seen that a lot with people who get cats.
2: Almost exclusively we'll see it with the cats transferring it rather than with the dogs. And you're absolutely right. And that can be a real pain. Yeah.
1: All of a sudden you'll see a, you know, you'll, the cats rubbed up against you and you'll see a round kind of loop de loop on your leg or your hand where the cat scratched you. I mean, not scratched you, but rubbed up against you.
2: Well, another thing to look for is the scabies. Um, you know, if they've got skin issues, that's really something to be checked for because. Scabies, of course, is transmissible to people too.
1: Now is that for, so let's talk about adult dogs then.
2: A visit with your veterinarian may also include, for an adult dog, a fecal exam to check for intestinal parasites and maybe even a blood panel as a baseline. And this is important for the future and to check internal organs, see if they're at the functional level that they should be. Mm -hmm. If there's any, as I always call it, silent diseases where Clinically, they're not showing anything abnormal, but indeed, they do have problems. So during that exam, your veterinarian will also review things like diet, behavioral concerns, and preventative medicines such as parasites like fleas and ticks. Those are all important. And using effective products because sometimes shelters may use a product that, that may be effective there but may not be effective at another region.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, like the difference between New York and Florida, since we do in Florida have a lot of flea testing here.
2: It's almost where all the flea testing right. for manufacturers is. And done I'm here. sure
1: up north, like maybe in the Midwest, like Michigan or Wisconsin or Connecticut, they do a lot of tick testing.
2: I would hope they do. Yeah. I don't want that Lyme disease. Do you?
1: No, definitely not. You know, I started thinking about this because I was at the exterminator the other day, the self exterminator, and they had a sheet about the ticks, the Florida ticks. So I think I want to have that exterminator on. And he talked about treating the yard where he lived. His wife was taking the dog out in the high grass and the dog came home with ticks.
2: And it's so important because think of all the skin reactions that we have from the fleas and the ticks. So that that would be a great segment.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, anything else?
2: Yes. There seems to be a trend that some people are adopting the older pet, the one that usually wasn't adopted and, and maybe its lifespan would be limited. So we need to have a strong handle on their health. All the more importance for that, that new adopted pet to get to a veterinarian and have it evaluated. So an exam soon after you bring your pet home from the shelter allows us to identify any target and health concerns. Of that particular health pet, think of kidney issues, heart issues, liver issues, pancreatic issues, uh, anemia issues, et cetera.
1: I think that's really important because, you know, you had a patient who brought in a dog. She wanted a Yorkie. Yep. She ended up having a 12-year-old Yorkie that had massive heart problems and very costly medicine. And once you have that initial... And
2: emotionally upsetting.
1: Right. Very emotionally upsetting. But also, you know, you don't really know. Right. So... Well, that's such great information.
2: Anything else we should be aware of? Just in short, a complete wellness exam is vital to ensuring your new companion, your new member of the family is happy and healthy. And that's all the Flex Facts for today.
1: Great. Well, more of the Pet Buzz very soon. Bet you can't wait for my I Likey of the
5: Week.
0: Hi, I'm Brad Garrett. The investigation of the Humane
5: Society of the United States exposed the link between pet stores and puppy mills. Large puppy mill operations were busted in Maine, Oklahoma, Texas, and Virginia. Bottom line, puppy mills are cruel and their puppies are often sick. So do yourself a favor and go to your local shelter for your next dog. You'll get an inoculated, already fixed dog for almost nothing. So you'll not only save some money, but you'll also save a life.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio. I'm patronologist Charlotte Reed. And
2: I'm veterinarian, Dr. Michael Fleck.
1: And what you've been waiting for, my I likey of the week.
5: It's genius. I like it. I so I like it it's the die for. I like it.
1: Well, you know, now that the cold weather is settling in, my dogs have... Less time outside. It seems there's more time inside, so I need to find ways to keep them in optimal condition as they spend more time indoors. So I turn to FitPause. FitPause is canine conditioning equipment. It's fun, and it's a simple way to exercise your pet indoors. Most dogs will tire after 5 to 10 minutes, three to four times a week because you're supervising their exercise. I kind of put my whistle on and my jumpsuit and I feel like a canine trainer. So you can exercise with some stabilization equipment, to spend some great quality time with your pooches and you really enjoy it. And I love the fact that the equipment is portable. So it's a great opportunity to train with positive reinforcement and strengthen the bond between you and your animal companion while giving your dog a complete overall body workout. I suggest you start with something easy because a lot of it is online is looks a little scary because it's a lot of canine rehabilitation, but your dog is going to love the fit pause hurdle set. It's really light. It's extremely portable. It weighs about 10 pounds and it comes with its own carrying case. It's easy to move around the house and encourages kind of a fun course of running and jumping and crawling for dogs of all sizes and ages. And you know, if you set up the, uh, if you set up the hurdle set, you can break it down or put it together and you guys can do some great weaving and jumping and crawling and more. Uh, you can work with food. You don't have to work with food. I prefer to do positive reinforcement training with food. And additionally, if you want to get some great ideas, you can check out pause YouTube channel for great ideas, inspirational videos and more. Well, I've just been told that our next guest is holding on the phone. So joining us today is Kristen Lynch, the Executive Director of the North American Pet Health Insurance Association.
2: Hello, Kristen, and welcome to the Pet Buzz today.
1: Well, hello. Thank you for having us.
2: So as we begin another year, please tell us why pet insurance is a good idea.
4: Sure. Well, you know, I think today there are two main reasons that pet insurance is a really great idea for pet parents. I think the first is that as a society and as individuals, we value our pets more than ever. That's something you talk about on your show all the time. They're part of our family, our lifestyle. I think the latest science even supports that our relationship with pets increases our own health, happiness and well-being. And the second reason is one that we don't think of very often, but it's that we're really not a generation of savers. It doesn't matter how much we make, whatever our income level and financial circumstances, we're really living month to month. So I think that pet insurance is a proactive way versus a reactive way like credit to ensure that we can take care of our pets when we really need to.
1: Have we seen the growth of pet insurance stay relatively flat? Or if you agree or disagree, let me know why. Tell me why.
4: Yeah, well, so our data shows, and and we actually represent all of the pet insurance companies in North America, most of which are in the U.S. Um, that in 2018, um, we saw next to 18% growth, almost 20% in cats and um, 18% in dogs. So we see that pet insurance is growing. What the challenge is, I think, is the pet population is also growing. So the penetration of pet insurance stays around the same.
1: It's interesting because we had seen that figure for such a long time. You know, obviously in Britain there's in Europe, more people have pet insurance. And here, it seems like it's been at 2% or 1% for a relatively long period of time. But I think you and I were talking about this, Dr. Fleck, that because pet care is so expensive in major metropolitan cities, More people want to defer that cost with health insurance. And then recently, we were talking to a recruiter who also said pet insurance is one of the fastest growing employee benefits. So that might have a lot to do with it, wouldn't you say?
4: Yeah, those are both big factors for sure. The other thing that we're seeing that shows that that pet insurance is growing is um, market entries by very large insurance companies and other types of companies buying pet insurance providers. So companies initially, you know, Nationwide was the first, but you're seeing companies like Synchrony, Liberty Mutual, Zoetis. Uh, last week, MetLife acquired a pet insurance company.
1: Right, pet first. So that really does show growth.
2: If you've just joined us, we're talking with Kristen Lynch, uh, the Executive Director of the North American Pet Health Insurance Association. Kristen, is pet insurance like people insurance?
4: Well, it you know, it functions very much like human health insurance, but it actually is regulated differently. It's regulated as a form of property and casualty insurance. A lot of people are really surprised to to hear that because we really don't think of our pets as property anymore, do we?
2: No, we don't. Not until the legislators change that.
4: Yeah. True. And, and so that is one of the challenges is that there's sort of a, a dichotomy between um, how we want it to function and the way we think of our pets and the way that regulars think of them, which is is very much like property. And it, and it functions very much on, on their end, like the way they regulate, you know, home and auto insurance.
1: Okay. So, well, then what pets are covered? And then what does most pet insurance cover? Okay. So typically we're talking
4: about companion animals. So we're thinking about dogs and cats. Dogs are about 84% of coverage in the U.S. and cats about 16. Um, there is a very, very tiny percent, less than 1% of exotics that are covered. There's only one company that does offer that. So exotics would be birds and lizards and in insurance speak. And um, I think there's another very small company a couple of years ago that launched uh, companion horse coverage, but that's a fraction of a percent of the policies in force.
1: Huh. I would think there would be big growth in that with as many horse people as there are. Yeah,
4: yeah. And I also am really always surprised the, the low percentage of cats. And, and some of that is because we think, oh, our cats are indoor cats, so nothing's going to happen to them, right? But, but as we all know, they're far more likely to become ill than they are to have an accident. And doesn't matter how much you love your cat, you know, illness still can happen to them.
2: Yes. We talk about those silent diseases of cats. We just don't monitor them as well.
1: Right. And how they're like the, what do you always say? The just dis- masquerade their illnesses much better than dogs correct?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So everything has to evolve. So what new developments are we seeing in the pet industry area?
4: Well, so I'm sure you've noticed that in the last several years, there's been an increasing amount of wellness coverage. And um, very much like the uh, veterinary profession is you know, promoting for longer health um, of a pet, then you need to take care of their teeth, you need to do the preventive treatments, and so you'll see more and more companies starting to include or um, provide the option of adding preventive coverage into your care. Um, so, And some of the other interesting things that I'm seeing are um, you know, sort of what I would almost call like the human benefits, things like lost pet rewards. Um, you know telehealth support for coverage. So these are sort of like the add-ons that once you have coverage you start to get to um, experience either a community of people that you can talk to. you get um, support from the customer service centers with people who know how to deal with trauma and grief and you're getting things like telehealth where they're going to help you triage your pet's condition and walk you through it um, and even, you know, connect you with your veterinary professionals if you don't have one nearby or with the ones that you already do deal with and and sort of coordinate care.
1: That's really interesting, especially with the telemedicine help, because from my understanding, Unless the regulations changed, and I don't know, you could talk about this, Dr. Fleck, that telemedicine is now available for people, but it's not available for pets yet.
2: It's very limited with the pet industry. What they keep saying about having that relationship with the patient is almost a a face-to-face relationship at this point.
1: So yeah, that's interesting. People aren't ready yet, but they will be. Well, I think it's interesting to see more and more dental coverage because most pets by the time they're three years old have dental disease mm-hmm. and it can lead to other problems. And I think as pet owners, we're not really seeing people embracing that yet. So am I surprised by the wellness? No, because I think, and I'm sure you'll agree, pet insurance to a certain extent mirrors people's health insurance.
4: Yeah, it's almost like we're anthropomorphizing how we treat and how we think of insurance the same way as we are with our pet.
2: Well, Kristen, I must tell you, I'm encouraging all of my clients to consider strongly getting pet insurance. I think it's really important. I think it's important as we move along with the care for, for pets with health. So I want to thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thanks for having us. That was great. Well, everyone, that was Kristen Lynch, the Executive Director of the North American Pet Health Insurance Association. Up next, we're talking global pet news.
0: So, I'm kind of new here, but I've noticed a trend. My human does this funny thing where she goes around and gets all my toys... And then she hides them in that basket by the door. You know, but it's always the same basket, and it's always in the the same place. And then she acts so surprised when I find them, but, you know, she's putting them in the same basket again. It's like, hello, that's where you put it last time. You were the worst at hide-and-go-seek. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt.
2: When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, visit wwwepi
1: Charlotte Reed and
2: I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. You know we are urban, suburban and, and country.
1: Well, you know, let's talk global pet news to kick off this segment.
0: And now, pet buzz news from around
1: the globe. Who said prison was bad? Well, not for this dog that I read about. It turns out the dog named Soup <laughs> What, do you like that name? It's a, fa- it's it's, great. It's a family name, <laughs> believe it or not. I'll be darned. Soup's an English setter, and he went missing while he was on a hunting trip in Alabama. But this is where he ended up in an Alabama state prison. Uh oh, what'd he do? He ended up and killed by correctional facility, to be exact. It's a place where most of the state's inmates go for evaluation. Well, I don't really know how he got there, but it turned out the inmates were giving up their dinners to feed soup. And he was feasting on roast beef, chicken tender, steak and peach cobbler. Wait, what prison is that, this? I'm going there. I mean, roast beef, Heck steak yeah. and peach cobbler. But then it could be cube steaks. Ah, uh-huh but you like those okay well anyway while in prison soup got to run around a big field outside play basketball with the inmates and tussle with uh, the canines who work at the facility i thought that was pretty cool
2: i think it's great well
1: anyway after a few days one of the prison guards who was also looking for his lost dog found a picture of soup on a local facebook lost dog site so soup was released from jail because they found his owners. Well, his owners reported back that on the first two days of being home was a huge shock for him and he needed to adjust. Probably, other than those hunting trips, he wasn't as active as he was with the inmates in the jail.
2: And he's not being fed the same way. I
1: know, probably not. He's probably eating dog food versus peach cobbler. How awful! And you know, in in Alabama, those they make that peach cobbler right on. Love it. They're not not bringing that in. They're making it right there. You bet. Well, let's hope the Alabama authorities are inspired by Soup's time in prison to start a dog program, even though they have canines that are working in the jail. But if they had one that interacts with the prisoners, I think that could be great. It seems like so many people got behind suit being there. Well, anyway, so let's right now get on the phone with our next guest. You know that charitable giving is one way that many people elect to support a specific cause or organization that is close to their heart. Well, from a financial standpoint, charitable giving can be an important part of your estate, tax, and financial planning.
2: Joining us today is Larry Solomon, client advisor for Mercer Advisors. Larry, thank you for joining us today on The Pet Buzz. Thank you so much for having me.
1: You know, Larry, tell us, what are the benefits of charitable giving?
5: Well, I guess the big benefit is, number one, all of us want our money to do well. We want to make money in the stock market. We want our bank accounts to grow. But the real question is, how can our money do good? How can it create a better place in the world? And that's what charitable giving is all about, doing good, not just doing well. And so. There are lots of ways that you can give money to charities that benefit the charities that are important to you, that you support, but that are also do it in a way that benefits you as as the donor. And that's kind of the win-win that we shoot for.
2: What a wonderful way of expressing that. So why is it important to plan your charitable giving, though? Well, I
5: guess twofold. The first reason is you want the charitable giving you do to have the maximum impact to those charities that you support, whether it's the ASPCA or your local church or whatever, whatever that charity is, you want to make sure that money has the most impact and gets down to the people that you want to really help, right? And so that's why the first thing that planning is important. The second thing, that, the reason the planning is important is because you as the donor and the person who's giving to charities can also reap some benefits from from this, from a tax perspective, from an estate planning perspective, and from a financial planning perspective. And that requires a little advanced planning, right? And, and that's not the reason we give money to charities. We give money to charities to do to do good. But it's an added bonus. It's Again, it's that win-win where you do well and the charities do well.
1: If you've just joined us, we're talking with Larry Solomon, client advisor with Mercer Advisors. So, Larry, talk about what's the best way to vet a charity. I mean, obviously, this is a pet show. A lot of our – we have a wide range of people. Many have money. Many don't, but what's the best way to vet a charity to do any type of giving?
5: Okay, so the first thing is there are a a number of different services that are out there that actually rate and vet and analyze charities. One really good one is called Guidestar.org, and there's another one called CharityNavigator.org. You can also go to the IRS website at irs.gov and look up charities there, too, but the thing about GuideStar and Charity Navigator is they actually rate each charity. They rate it for governance. They rate it for what they call the benefit ratio, how much money that you give to this charity actually goes directly into the people or the pets or whatever it is that, that are trying that you want to benefit from it versus how much goes to overhead. They rate them and they give them like a star rating. And so every charity that's what's called a 501C corporation pretty much is going to be part of the GuideStar or Charity Navigator or IRS.gov database. So if you go there, it doesn't cost anything, by the way. You can have a free subscription to GuideStar or to Charity Navigator. A basic subscription is free. And just about every charity that you can imagine is is in is in their database.
1: I think that's great advice because I think a lot of people these days want to know how charities are spending their money. How much of that donation is actually going to the mission Mm-hmm. In our case, mm-hmm. animals versus administrative, or the airplane for uh, the president.
5: Mm.
1: You know, I mean, that's yeah, no, hard to say, a, but people want to know.
5: Yeah, no, it, it, it happens, in, and uh, you you want to have a charity where most of what you're contributing goes to the the end users, the, the group that they're targeting.
1: Now, do some and, people and
5: not to administrative fees?
1: Now, do some people when they make donations target a specific area they want the money to go to?
5: Yeah, you know, many charities will allow you to designate your donations for a specific project or a specific cause. You know, if you give to a church or a temple, you can give it to a certain fund at that church and temple, or to like the youth group. And the same is true with the, you know animal rights charities. They'll let you designate or target what specific cause or what specific project your your charitable donations are going to.
2: So, what's the tax ramifications of charitable giving?
1: Right down to it, right, well, Doctor Char- Flex? Absolutely. <laughs>
5: Yeah, no, that's one of my favorite questions. So the, the, tax ramifications are if it's done right, it has tremendous tax benefits to the, to the donors. And there are a couple ways that you can leverage those tax benefits so that you as the donor can reap the maximum amount of tax benefits. One thing, for example, if you're over age 70 and a half, you can do something called a QCD, Qualified Charitable Deduction. What that means is you can take money from your IRA or 401k, pre-tax, and donate it directly to the charities up to $100,000 per year. And the advantage of doing that is that's pre-tax money. It's cheaper dollars to you. Charity going to get the cash anyway. But by doing that, you can avoid what's called or reduce your or required minimum distributions if you're over age 70 and a half. Which so you are, Dr. Example. Fleck.
1: Dr. Fleck's old. He's over How much. <laughs> you are way old, way over, way, way, way
5: over.
2: <sighs> Larry, great information. We really appreciate that. Our listeners really appreciate it, too. Thank you for joining us today.
5: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Charlotte, and thank you, Dr. Fleck. Happy to help out in any way I can, and appreciate the opportunity to contribute to your show.
1: That was Lawrence Solomon, Larry Solomon, client advisor with Mercer Advisors, talking about the benefits of charitable giving and the best way to vet charities. I think very, very important advice. Right, Dr. Fletcher? Absolutely. So many people want to give, but they really don't do their homework. They don't find out the 411. And then later, they're really disappointed when the charity dissolves or there's financial problems or even IRS problems.
2: Just investigate like Larry suggested.
1: Yeah, we've seen way too much of that. Well, you know, it's that time the show is going to end. Oh, no. Oh, yes. (laughs) Oh, yes. You know, the year is starting off fresh. Believe it or not, we're kind of Don't we
2: sound fresh?
1: Kind of. Yeah, we kinda, okay. We kind of sound, yep. sound fresh. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, anyway, it's that time to wrap up the show. But before we go, we want to give you a preview for next Ooh. week's show. So I'm happy to say next week we're going to talk about CES, the computer electronic show in Las Vegas. Cool. It's going to be great developments in cancer care and pet cancer care Yay. and pet-friendly cities.
2: Special thanks to our guests, Todd Christensen, Kristen Lynch, and Lawrence Solomon.
1: We must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin, coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. If you put in if you go to the EpiPet website that's epi-pet.com, buy some products, use the pet buzz as the code. You'll get a 25% discount.
2: And if you have a question, write us at team@thepetbuzz.com. At We'll cover it on our next show. And if you've missed any portion of the show, visit our social media channels
1: as well as your favorite streaming channels and listen to the Link Podcast on Monday morning.
2: Most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pet.
1: Peace out and pet love.
2: Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of
0: The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed, and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at
2: www.thepetbuzz.com.
0: Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.